0: church. We have a lot going on today, a lot of things to share with you, um, and I have a couple people going to come up and share a few things about some of the stuff that's happening here at the church. Uh, are the kids going right now, or are we going with sermon? Okay, I'll be another few minutes before, I, before we start that. Um, in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, a- after speaking about older men and how older men are to be acting in the church, uh, Paul addresses Titus in one of the pastoral epistles uh, about the women in the church, and he says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. And he he goes on about what they are to teach the younger women in the church. Uh, A friend of mine was expositing this morning that that, uh, what's going on there is we have mature, more experienced women. Um, This morning, Peyton Spain is going to come and share with us a little bit about some opportunities we have here at the church and some things that the women— I have been putting together, and so Peyton's going to share what's on been on her heart, and I'm just going to turn things over to you. And uh, I think we have a microphone right here, if you'd like. It's all you. Good
1: morning. Um, but I have the opportunity to talk to you guys <laughs> about something um, really cool that we've kind of been working on in the church. Um, Angie and I got together and talked um, about this opportunity, and it's mentorship. Um, as many of you know, I worked at a Bible camp for the past couple of summers, and they do a really good job of equipping us while we're there at camp during the summer, but they also do a really good job of equipping us when we go home. And they encourage us to find our Silases, our Barnabases, and our Timothys when we go home. And what that looks like is Silas is someone that you walk alongside, you do life with, maybe you are that same age, that same maturity in faith, and they can hold you accountable. And I have a lot of really awesome Silases in my life. Um, but Barnabases are somebody who's older, somebody who's wiser, somebody that can pour um, godly wisdom into you, scripture into your life. Um, and they equipped us with those while we were at camp. They um, encouraged us to find mentors while we were at camp, and that was super encouraging. Um, but when I came home, there wasn't a ton of opportunity for that. And I've, I think that we have a really good opportunity in the church. We're blessed with a lot of different generations in this church right now. Um, but sometimes we just don't under we don't know how to connect where do we go about oh it feels awkward I don't want to ask this person I don't know if they're willing for something like that um, and so Angie and I um, Angie just put together a list of women who are not only willing but they're eager to be mentors to the younger women in the church and so I'm just kind of taking time to speak to the younger women um, like me to, Take advantage of that, you're only gonna get out of it what you put into it, so take advantage of that. There'll be, oh no, not another sign up upstairs, but um, there's a list, there'll be, I I don't know if there is today or if they'll, okay. There will be a list of names up there, and there's just names and phone numbers. Um, We're not gonna take you and toss you in a hat, shake it up, pull your names out of there, but if you see somebody that you think that you would connect with, go ahead and I encourage you to ask them in person. If you can't do that, give them a phone call. It's your responsibility as the younger women to go to those older women and to ask them, hey, would you mentor me? Um, And they can walk alongside you in that way. Mentorship is a great, great concept. It's a biblical concept, just like Jeff said. Um, Esther was mentored by Mordecai, Akilah and Priscilla mentored Apollos. It's a really biblical concept. So we're just excited to see where this goes. It's not this huge program, it's just an opportunity. Um, And then Titus, I didn't didn't touch on him, or Timothy. What did I say? Silas, Barnabas, and a Timothy. Timothy is someone who's younger than you, someone that you can build up. And so older women, younger women, you might be like, I'm in college, like I don't I don't have the opportunity to have somebody to mentor. But if you have that opportunity to be someone to someone younger, um, I encourage you to take that. Even if it's not an official mentorship, still encourage the younger generation under you. Um, and this just doesn't doesn't just go for women, but if the guys see a need, I encourage you to do something about it. But that is above my pay grade. So this is all I'm talking about Thank you.
0: would encourage you to be looking for that. And uh, whether you're doing the sign up and going through that, or you just have somebody in your life that, that is already that Silas to you, that Barnabas, that Timothy, uh, some great opportunities. That all of us should be participating in, not just the women, but uh, this is something that we'll have a sign up. The ladies and so Peyton, I really appreciate you sharing your vision for that and, um, and, and addressing that, that need. Uh, so, thank you for following through on what the Lord's laid on your heart. I um, also, also asked if Charles Holt would come forward today, as many of us were praying for Charles earlier this year. Uh, Charles was in Uganda um, with a ministry where uh, medical, not necessarily missionaries, but doctors are going in as medical missionaries and spending time in uganda helping to address some of the very real physical needs of the people that are there that sometimes never get to see a doctor in their life or at least for years but then also through that to share the gospel uh, i i love in in the Pauline epistles and acts we we meet a, a guy named luke and uh co- you know the, the good doctor uh, was a, uh he was one of those silas's uh, those timothys that was in paul's life and uh, they became friends and and uh companions uh, on the missionary journeys in which they worked together, and so it's uh, a pleasure to have Charles here in our midst. I know we have some other medical professionals here, but it's Char- good to have Charles with us, uh, another doctor in our midst who also has a passion for not only meeting people's physical needs but also sharing the gospel and meeting those spiritual needs as well. And so, if you want to, uh, you want to come up here and give you the podium. You can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn you. things over to you and just share a little bit about um, Uganda and what um, happened earlier this summer, but also. Uh, what you have, what the Lord has in store in the future. So Indeed, please you. give us an update.
2: Thank you. Good morning, church. How good it is to dwell in the house of the Lord. Uh, forgive me today, um, I'm a little bit woozy. I struggle with vertigo periodically. Uh, uh, Karen didn't put a bunch of Jim Beam in my uh, coffee this morning. It's just, uh, it comes and goes. So I'm going to hold on to the lectern a little bit. But people ask me, why do I do this? You know, why well go to Timbuktu to preach the gospel? Um, and I, I think it's a calling, for sure. But for me, I'm nobody special. Oh, he's always, always a doctor and all this stuff. But I think um, in my growth and my sanctification uh, of my walk with God, it just becomes a matter of obedience. One of the things that, one of the many things that God wants us to do is not so much as who we think we are but just our willingness to do things to go out to get out of our boat as uh, Jesus encouraged um, Peter to do get out of your comfort zone and step out on the water it's definitely worth it and yeah there's bumps and there's waves and there's stuff that overcome you and things but you know decades I've done this, it's just, I'm just such a better individual, if you knew the Charles Holt from the 1970s, and compared to the one that stands before you today, he's come a long way, the old sin nature is still there, and he really has to be ruthless with his sin nature, and crucify it every day, and so I just thought, you know, the, the word of God is, is my guide you know the world is passing away and i just thought i'd share with you one of the major passages that god really used me to get into this ministry and it's isaiah 58 and the the whole premise is, is just don't be religious he's god is talking to the jews don't be religious you know they're saying how wonderful we fast and look at all our our feigned obedience to And God just cuts them to the heart. And he says, is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him? not hide yourself from your own flesh. And then there are so many wonderful promises. If you get into that, if you let God really work in your life, the promises that he'll do for you, and I live on the promises of God. I kill my sin nature as best I can, and I let God reveal his promises to me. So if you just read that whole second part of Isaiah 50. All these wonderful things have happened to me during the years I've been a minister. Now, Uganda. um, I went there, um, we hadn't been there for three years because of COVID, they wouldn't let us come in. And we did our medical mission. uh, It was great. I knew there would be lots of issues because we hadn't done this for three years and there were some bumps and I'm happy to share with some of those uh, later on. time permitting, but it was just so wonderful to get back with those brothers and sisters that I've, I've grown to love over the ten, last 10 to 12 years to minister again. The camp was very successful. We saw anywhere from 12 to 1500 people and we ministered to so many people there. And, and I hope some of you got to see the, the video that we did and and, uh, um, and we can put that online uh, some more answered prayers. We, uh, I found an individual who can help us. Um, help, who can help us um, fix up our website that had gone into kind of disarray in the last three years. So I'm excited about that. Um, but I'd like to, to ask you and tell you about um, what God laid on my heart for the coming uh, summer. Um, Karen and I are planning on going there in. January, and see how the team is doing, but um, my organization or our organization is called Caring Hands International, and um, we oftentimes um, share ministries and outreaches with other organizations in Uganda. And one of them is Shepherd's Heart, and so we're going to team with Shepherd's Heart this next June to do another medical camp, but we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Shepherd's Heart Ministry is for in the islands in Lake Lake Victoria. And Lake Victoria is the southern boundary of Uganda, and that's where the Nile River starts. And so there's 80 islands in Lake Victoria that they minister to and witness to, and they've got a wonderful organization. So my or our evangelical team and their evangelical team is right now as we speak, they're going to the largest island Um, in this chain called Bavuma Island and they are going around to all the churches there's about a hundred thousand people that live on this island and it's barren and its people there are dirt poor dirt poor and as a result they are starting now going around to all the different churches that will interact with us and to develop a program of evangelical crusades uh, discipleship ministry, and then we are planning on an, another large, very large uh, medical missions uh, camp um, about the same time—middle, middle, late June of this next year. So be praying for that. The biggest prayer request I ask for you right now, because all this has to be timed out sequentially, is that. Um, I found that through one of my contacts that there's an organization in California called direct relief that wholesales or uh, stockpiles pharmaceuticals and they will supply a whole container shipment overseas container shipment of pharmaceuticals for nothing if we go through all the paperwork and jump through all the hoops so that is what we're working on now so please pray Caring hands has to do a part of that paperwork, and then the hospital sponsoring our mission has to do a part of that. And getting people to do that 8,000 miles away from you sometimes is tricky. So pre- please pray for that. Um, I just uh, thank you all for all the gifts you gave, the prayers you did. I tell you, they work. They really work. Um, don't consider that a small thing, even if you say, um take care of caring hands today i mean i'm serious about that it's just wonderful to be in that back in the <sighs> back in the front line i know everywhere is a front line but for me i just love this country um it, i've got so many wonderful friends there and i um, just want to say thank you for this time thank you for sharing yeah
0: Well, if you would join me, uh, let's just pray uh, and and just thank God for these opportunities, and then uh, I'll just uh, pray for carrying hands. And what was the name of the other organization you said you're working with? Shepherd's Heart Heart International, and then we'll let the kids go with Miss Haley today, okay? Uh, Join me in prayer. Father in heaven, we we just thank you for these opportunities for ministry that you've given to us. Uh, Your son gave us a great commission to fulfill. And we are part of that. This church in DeWitt is part of fulfilling that commission here within our local body, within our neighborhood, within this community in eastern Iowa. Uh, but we are also part of that, that vision and that commission for sharing the gospel throughout the entire world. And, and so we thank you for these opportunities where we can partner with groups like Carrying Hands and Shepherd's Heart International, um, as well as many of the other missionaries that we work with that are abroad, thousands of miles away. Lord, we, we just give you praise that you are continuing your work through your church, and um, we just pray for these groups right now, that you would help them in the uh, arrangements and the sequential matters of, of getting things in place for this, this, next, this next year. Uh, we pray that you would give them discernment as to the issues that uh, may come in the way, and uh, Lord, we pray that, that you would give them a heart for the people. That your, that your word would go forth, the gospel would be shared. I also want to pray for our women's ministry and the, the things that are in it. Uh, I, I particularly just pray for this opportunity for uh, our older women, uh, no matter how much older we are than someone else, um, to be ministering into the life of somebody who's younger, to be finding our Silas's and Barnabas's and Timothy's, that, that we can be investing our lives in one another. And so I pray that, that you would direct this path use this for your glory to do great things in his name we pray this amen all right kids if you want to go with miss haley today we're gonna have children's church in the back shake things up and, uh, for our music team later on. Well, if you would imagine with me for a moment a hypothetical setting in which an archaeologist uncovers a carefully preserved box. And in that box is found a carefully preserved scroll on which were penned a message from the apostle Thomas, and, and there he wrote down instructions to a small church that was struggling. He conveyed a message of hope and grace, a message about living holy lives on a hostile planet. It was a message admonishing them how to live with those who sought their harm and how to live serving one another. Imagine with me in this hypothetical setting that this this new epistle from Thomas turns out we we study it we read it and we go this this is inspired by the Holy Spirit how do you suppose Christians would react to the news that a genuine letter hypothetically from one of the Apostles had been found translated and is ready for you to read would that be exciting something encouraging I think a lot of people would react with skepticism I think people though overall would react with excitement there would be curiosity, there would be hunger to hear the words of, of one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. There would be a desire for, for many to take those words to heart and to, to live out the truths that have been so carefully written down. But, you know, I, I wonder, we, d- we don't have that hypothetical book uh, from Thomas. Um, I, I wonder why, though, so many who actually do possess such a treasure of letters that we know were written by the apostles, the first followers of Jesus Christ, and we know that these men were inspired by the Holy Spirit as they wrote down these things, so that the Holy Spirit gave us these words. We have words put on paper that are directly from God as he moved these men along as they pinned the words that are contained in the Bible. I wonder why we so often, who possess these treasures, choose to ignore the very writings that were inspired by the Spirit of God and given to mankind so that we might know His good and perfect will and that we might be able to enjoy life that's filled with hope, the hope that our Lord offers. Why are there so many who have never even taken the time to read this gift that has so carefully been preserved for our benefit? All too often we take these words that That have been carefully written and carefully preserved and carefully handed down to us and and we let it sit on a shelf and we never crack it open on a given week a given month a given year this is God's word it's a treasure that he's given to each one of us and and we should take these epistles and these writings and it should, should bring life to our souls it thrills me that we have the opportunity to read and to study one of these letters over the next several weeks a letter that we know was written by one of the first followers of jesus christ and was inspired by the holy spirit as he moved peter along it's not a letter from thomas but from the apostle peter the the same peter who denied jesus three times who oftentimes struggled with putting his foot in his mouth It was the same peter that confessed that jesus was the christ the son of god it was the same peter that was rebuked right afterwards by jesus because Again, he put his foot in his mouth. Um, Peter's a lot like us, isn't he? He sometimes says things impulsively. He throws it out there, and, and he just it, the thought comes to his head, and so he just you know belts it out and, and oftentimes gets himself in trouble, uh, a lot like I, I know I do, at least. Um, Peter's a very practical guy. He's a guy that we can relate to. And, and so it's a beautiful thing that we have one of his letters that has been penned and written down for us, inspired by the holy spirit that we can read and we can study i look forward to doing that with you over this next few weeks and so if you will lend your ear to the spirit uh, of god's word i I believe that you will be blessed and you will be blessed if you keep what is written in it Uh, god promised us in another book of the bible that he who hears this word and who does and keeps what is in it will be blessed and so i believe that's true as well for the first epistle of peter so i'm going to keep my remarks and my exposition brief this morning so that we as we embark on this study we can enjoy god's blessing by just hearing the entirety of the letter read to us uh, i'm going to point you to first peter chapters, chapter one we're going to look at verses one to two if you want to turn there with me where we find the, the salutation of this letter and again, I'm just going to explain the opening briefly so that we might have a little bit of awareness of the, the circumstances in which this, this letter was written. Uh, like most letters that were written in the first century, uh, Peter begins by introducing himself. Uh, we sign our letters at the end of the letter, which really doesn't make sense because if you get a letter, you, you have no idea who it's from if if they didn't sign the envelope, Right? And so you get this letter, and you read through it, and you're trying to piece through all the, the, you know, who's this from, and, and you have no idea, and then surprise is there at the end, when finally you figure out, oh, that's who's writing to me. Um, I don't know why we do it that way. Uh, it seems m- makes much better sense. to just put your name at the very beginning. And that's what they did in, in, in Peter's days. Um, we sign our letters at the end, uh, but they do theirs at the beginning, and, and and he simply calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ now there's a lot of skeptics today who challenge this book and claim that it could not have been written by Simon Peter they they say the Greek is too polished his audience is too Gentile and they try to tear down God's Word from the very first two syllables Uh, but that's what this letter claims these are the carefully preserved words of one of Jesus's apostles one of his first followers that knew him one of his closest friends and these preserved words have been handed down to you I've looked at the arguments that people have made against the letter and I'm confident that this letter is what it claims Peter probably made use of a scribe who penned the letter for him just like Paul oftentimes did Um, later on chapter 5 he's going to mention Silas and Mark who may have played a part in, in putting this epistle together which could explain the style that it's written in But but today, you hold that letter in your hands within this collection of epistles and books and stories uh, about the people of God that was inspired by our Lord, and it was written for your encouragement. It was written for God's people almost 2,000 years ago, and it's written for you today. Peter addressed his letters, his letter to elect exiles. That's an interesting description, isn't it? Think about it. To the elect exiles. Here's a group of Christians who had been removed from their homes and their communities. They were sojourning in a foreign place. Uh, Some scholars uh, believe, one of of my um, favorite Greek professors believes that the occasion of this letter, it may have been that Paul had just been executed, and so Peter is addressing many of the churches that Paul had ministered to, and and that uh, the occasion for this letter of First Peter was an encouragement to these churches who also were suffering during this time. Whatever the case, here's this group of Christians who have been removed from their homes and their communities, and they're sojourning in a foreign place. Some scholars believe that Peter's just speaking figuratively because for all Christians, uh, this, this world is not our home. We know that our home is with our Savior, and, and we are temporarily residing on a hostile planet That quite honestly would prefer that you just leave them alone and so it may be that he's simply referring to our status as sojourners in this world however uh, other scholars note that in Rome there often was this practice of displacing certain communities where they would take a group of people and they would remove them from their communities, remove them from their homes, and they'd move them to a foreign land and settle them somewhere else so that they could displace both, both groups and bring people into submission. And that may have been happening with many of the Christians. It's quite possible that these Christians that, that Peter is writing to are, are people who were from Italy, but now were living in exile in the regions that he names here. And, and all five of the provinces that he mentions in verse 1 Uh, we're in what uh, what now belongs to the nation of Turkey and so what we know as Asia Minor the nation of Turkey is where all these different people were living and and so this letter that he's sending out is what we call a circular letter it's a letter that's going to go to one church after another and it's going to rotate from 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 church to church they might make a copy while they have it in their possession and then they're gonna pass it on to the the next churches so that each church throughout this entire area of Turkey would, would be able to get their hands on this epistle from peter and then it was passed down to us after that however all this happened and whatever their situation as you read through first peter you're going to see a common thread throughout this letter that these christians were experiencing some level of suffering and opposition because they followed jesus christ and when you follow jesus christ what happens after that changes the way you live it changes the things that you do and and things that are acceptable in culture and that everybody says well that's not a problem to 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 offer incense in worship of caesar and a christian says i can't do that and and that creates problems in the workplace and it creates problems in relationships and and people say well why can't you just be like the rest of us And, and so these people were facing oppositions because they were followers of jesus christ just like some of you oftentimes face opposition and persecution And so that's why Peter writes this letter. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you are out of place in this world? Anyone? Yeah? Me too. Does opposition discourage you? Are you ever confused by the way society acts? Do you ever read the news and go, What in the world is happening? Do you ever feel defiled? By the choices that some of your local and your national leaders make, and, and, you, and you hear these decisions and you think, what what? And then the whole world wonders why you have a problem with it all. Why why do you have to be so different, so oh Christian? Why can't you just join in and or at least look the other way? Peter's letters for you. If that's where you're at today and some of the thoughts that are crossing your mind as you look at the world around you and as you face opposition of one level or another, you may not be displaced from your home and have everything taken away from you and sent off into exile somewhere else, but you are still sojourners in a world that is hostile towards your faith and towards your Lord and you following him. Peter writes this letter not only for them, but also for you. This epistle is a message of living hope for those who live in a hostile world. As he addresses these elect exiles, uh, he, he reminds them that they have been saved by the triune God, Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. and that No matter what your problems are or how much you suffer, he reminds them from the very beginning that they were chosen by God. They were elect exiles. The Father foreknew them, indicating he had this special relationship with them as well, with his people. They are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and they are set apart for living, obedient lives to Jesus Christ. And Peter is going to show throughout this letter how we are called to live set-apart lives because we are serving a different king and the suffering that we endure the suffering and the opposition that you face in your workplace, the opposition that you've, you face among your family members that wonder why you've changed over these years and, and why can't you just do the things that you used to do with us? The friends that you had in high school, the friends that you went to um, college with, the, the neighbors that look at you and go, why can't you just toe the line anymore? No matter what level of suffering and opposition you endure, Peter's going to show in this letter that we serve a different king, and the suffering that you go through and endure is an opportunity to find hope and experience God's grace in a way that we learn to stand firm in it. David Walls summarizes this letter in this way. He says, Peter, first Peter is preeminently a letter of hope. Of second and third chances in the midst of suffering and pain that would attempt to derail us Peter provides an epistle of triumphant faith he strengthens and encourages his readers whose troubles are in the background of virtually every paragraph and who as a result felt like they had no future Peter helps us see the true nature of our suffering it reminds us that as believers in Jesus Christ We have not been abandoned simply because difficult times have assaulted us. Our future in Christ is not in jeopardy. Rather than allowing our pain to derail our Christian living, our hope and trust must remain with God who loves us and will use even the suffering in our lives to grow us into better people. And so as we go to his word, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I've asked Matt Vickers to come forward today. And Matt's going to help me in the reading of 1 Peter. And so before we go to the text, uh, if you would join me as we go to the Lord of the text, and, and let's ask him for his blessing on the reading of his word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the words that we find here in this book. We thank you for this epistle that was written by a man named Peter, along with his his friends Mark and Silas and maybe others that were with him. We thank you that he pinned these words, but that as he did so, that throughout that process, you moved him along and you inspired it for the benefit of these people in what is modern-day Turkey and for the benefit of us who today are reading these words. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that we would listen to the words that are in this book, this epistle. I pray that you would give us minds that we would understand and be able to respond to these concepts, and I pray that you would soften our hearts. Spirit, might you illuminate our lives, illuminate us with understanding of your word, and I pray that you would teach us during this time as we listen to what you have given to us. So please fill us as we hear it, and as we do according to it. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things in which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds to
3: To read the Old Testament part because I'm older, <laughs> okay.
0: Mature and oh, materials.
3: mature. I'm sorry, more mature. You shall be holy, for I am holy.
0: And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God
3: for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the and all its glory like the flower of grass grass withers and the flower fails but the word of the Lord remains forever
0: and this word is the good news that was preached
3: a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense.
0: So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do.
3: But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession.
0: That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and as exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For, for what credit is it, when you, are, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for, for it, you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God.
3: and live to righteousness. But by his wounds you have
0: been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when, when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is why... The gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since
3: love covers a multitude of sins.
0: Show hospitality to one another without grumbling.
3: what will become of the ungodly and the sinner.
0: Therefore, let us, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising
3: but gives grace to the humble.
0: Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given to us this holy word, uh, this epistle, this letter that was written by our friend Peter. We thank you that your spirit moved him along to pin these words in this way. We thank you for the blessing that we've received this morning from it. It's my prayer that as we go out from here, that we would be filled with the spirit, having heard his words and that we would do what we've heard here. Help us to understand your grace and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And might we stand firm in that grace, even as we experience suffering and opposition in this world. As we continue in this study over this next few weeks, Father, it is my prayer that you would take your word, that it would change our lives, that we would understand it better, that we would obey it better, that we would walk with you and that your son Jesus Christ would be exalted in our life.